Hello and welcome to Power to Speak and uh, speaking about speaking. And today my guest is Daya Otley, all the way from Trinidad and Tobago. Thank you for being here across the airways, Daya. It's a pleasure to be here, Jackie. And uh, Daya, you are a voice communication coach and a professional voiceover actor. So, I mean, as, as I'm sure our listeners can can tell, you probably have had a lot of experience with this. Your voice is very deep and very rich. Why, thank how, you. Uh, yes, beautiful voice. How did you, how did you start as a, as a voice in the voice acting realm? Trying to keep it as short as I can. This is a, a story I tell all the time. So I, I come from a family with um, that has deep voices, you know, just naturally. But I still, it's still a skill that you have to acquire. And I had a friend once who had a recording studio. In those days, it was, I don't know if you're familiar with, with studios had eight track um, machines to record like on tape. And I was doing something by the by the studio, and he told me, "No, you should try consider getting into recording commercials." He gave me a script uh, because he was an on air announcer at the time, and I read it, and he's like, "You have something there." And well, I could see the rest is history. I I did pursue it. I was working at a radio station at the time doing sales. And as a, a young entrepreneur, what I decided to do is offer my clients voice ads. So I'll produce it for them. I, I went out and searched for a recording studio. I paid for my own time and just included that in the price and charged my clients. Why not produce a commercial for them and sell them airtime? So I did that for a good while and I just just continued to pursue it. I went to Los Angeles and met some awesome voice coaches and voiceover actors and maintained relationship, got some training from them. And I've been doing this for now 20 years or so. So that's 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 essentially the story. Yeah. And and I know that you've done some news reading, some radio news reading. Is that something that's you're right. still doing? So I sorry. Are you still doing that at the moment? No, no. I, I've I've since retired from radio, but I spent 15 years at a radio station. I hosted my own radio show. And uh, during the time I also read the news, I got training from a, a gentleman who was a British uh, broadcaster that lived in Trinidad. And he was at the, one of the radio stations and he trained us. He was very, very um, experienced and he trained me. And so I read the news for a good while and I also hosted my own radio program and I got training all along the way. So throughout the years, I, I have experience in voice acting, in hosting radio programs, as well as reading news. Yeah. And do you do you stay quite local to where you are? Are you are you exclusively Trinidad and, and Tobago or do you kind of uh, broadcast all over? Oh no, I I I have been definitely well in terms of broadcasting. Then the radio station was global, so it did, and I'm also involved in a global radio station. So I produce an online. I'm part of an, a team for a nonprofit organization. I'm part of an international team that produces programs for kids, and that's um, um broadcasted online. So there is that experience as well. 
So, of course, with that skill, you have to know how to use your voice to communicate so that everyone can understand no matter what language, well, not what language, but where they're from. Once they speak English, of course, because I'm not multilingual. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, so do, do you mean then like when you're talking uh, for children or when you're, when you're talking to different audiences? Different audiences, just yeah. in terms of because you have to, even though they speak English, you still have to slow down your speech and enunciate see it and express yourself clearly so all of that experience you know helped me to do what I do today more effectively yeah and we'll come we'll come on to that yes, very yeah. shortly <laughs> um, I'm just going to say for anybody out there listening now live or whether you're listening on the replay please get involved I'd love to hear your comments if you've got any questions then please put them in the comments and uh, and we'll we'll answer them as we go along if we can that would that would be uh, that would be great fun so let's let's go come back to the the coaching because now we do similar things. We are both yes. talking to clients about how to communicate confidently and how to use their voice for their for their for their business and and you know to, to actually speak to an audience. That's how right. did how did you get into it? I came, I came from an acting background, right. and and so I kind of use that acting training when I'm working with people and when I'm coaching people to step in in front of an audience it's kind of always what I've done as a te as an acting teacher is to kind of just get people ready to to yes. step on a stage and kind of prepare yes. them for that so it, what what's how do, how do you work it's almost the exact thing it's just that for me it was audio for you I guess it's actual stage but it's the same thing because I always said why not uh, everyone be a voice actor because Inside of there, you have to know how the technique to use, because if you are you are selling or promoting a product, you have to sound believable. And I'm sure it's the same with well, I'm sure I know it's the same with acting. Your character has to be convincing, has to be believable, and so it's the same knowledge that I always bring to my clients and coaching them that they have to be aware of the message you want to send, which is why. I use the term voice communication, not public speaking. That's just my preference. I'm not fighting anybody else, but I like to use the word voice communication because I think as, as, as people, we all have messages to communicate. And just like there's written communication and there's nonverbal communication, I know that there is vocal and verbal communication. And so there's this message that we have to learn because we can say the same thing and have a different meaning depending on how we see it. So there, it's it's great to make people aware of how they sound. A lot of times people are not aware of how they sound. So confidence is one thing, but also just knowing how to craft your message and how to shape your voice, how to lower your tone, how to raise it how to get out of the slump of something depressing and boring you know all of those things I tried i try to enthuse inside of my um my clients yeah which is yeah absolutely it's it's it is all about the pitch and the tone and not what you say but how you say it absolutely yeah so when you when you start with a client where where do you start do you start with the physicality and the techniques of how how to use your voice or do you is it a mindset or is it the confidence is it the nerves where where, where does it start i started you? where they need help the most so everyone's different and some people generally would have a, a great 
great ability to express themselves. They don't fumble. They they can be eloquent, but they're nervous. So there's that aspect. There's some people who are quite confident, but they don't deliver well or execute well when they're presenting. There's some people who have everything together, but then they can't read publicly properly. So I help them with reading, transitioning, especially if you're making presentations. I've had so many people coaching them. I said, but there's no problem. And then pull up something to read and it all falls flat. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, but you can't be a presenter and not just know how to read and sound natural. And and so, of course, that's a specialty as well for me as a voice actor, learning how to look at a script and just sound as natural as possible and helping them with that. Um, so somebody said that's me. So, yes. so, so it's really, it's really, a, it all depends, you know, Jackie, like where people are at. I tend to do sort of an assessment with them and find out where they really need help. And so I take it down a path. Some people, it's just a matter of not being able to formulate their thoughts before they speak. And so often I tell people, words must never come out of your mouth until you're clear of what you want to say. Because oftentimes we start to speak and then we think after. But yeah. we should actually think first and then articulate. So don't be afraid of the silence and the pause if you're gathering your thoughts. You yeah. know, and yeah. that can make that part of your style. So yeah, that's that's essentially what, what I try to do. Yes, we have our, our LinkedIn user that says, hmm, that's me. Yes, <laughs> I think that's a, a little bit of all of us there is that is that kind of um, thing. As soon as it's either you turn on the camera and people go <gasps> like a deer in the headlights right. or yeah, you give them a piece of paper and from from sounding quite natural and quite passionate about what it is that they're speaking about, suddenly it all kind of goes dead. Yes. <laughs> so when, when because obviously as a newsreader, and I had I had a lady on a um, Susan Murphy a, a few weeks back who comes from a broadcasting background, and she yes. now specifically works with anchors and people that are reporters by trade, and that's something that she has to work with them on is the fact that they are reading, the fact that the news itself sometimes it needs to be read in a certain way. You know, you, you have to have to get the right tone. That's so when right. when you were being trained what was the best piece of advice that you were you were given the best piece of advice was to deliver the facts don't inject it with emotion so you may want to say something like you you know today at 5 p.m a man was shot on the side of the road while crossing the street to pick up his groceries you don't want to say today at 5 p.m. a man was crossing the street to pick up his groceries. So you don't want to infuse in inject it with any kind of extreme emotion. You don't want to break down songing very sad if you know a seven-year-old child was shot down in cold blood. Yes, you put a little bit of empathy, but you're you you might be totally horrified, but you don't want to give that away. And so you have to have this nice balance of of delivering the tone. So that's what it was. Never invest yourself. Like you can have opinions about a story. And I always say that your voice exposes your emotions. We know that with acting. Yes. And yeah. so there's a, a learning how to control those emotions and feelings and separate that from how we deliver with our voice. 
Yeah. Because if it is, we allow our feelings in the moment to come out and the skill is learning how to speak and divorce your emotions in the moment from actually how you deliver. So you actually have to mask that. And I know that's something with stage acting. They talk about you had a flat tire, all kinds of things happen. And then you have to go on stage and deliver your character and no one must know you're flustered. It's the same, it's the same technique and principle that I share with my clients. Yeah. I mean, I've had it the other way around as an actor, um, having to read something and the emotion almost getting too much is then kind of holding it back because, you know, even if you're if you're being emotive on stage and you actually do have a very sad piece, you still need to get the words out. You still yes. need to deliver the story. And yeah. so it's, you know, it's a really fine balance of really controlling, controlling that. And I find that, you know, your breath and concentration and focus is is really important yes yes Yes. Uh, we've got a we've got a question here from mark i don't know if you know mark masters um mark says what is the best way to control the silence so we're in charge and not think we have to rush so i think that comes back to the to, to how you use those pauses and not being frightened of the silence that's right and i think um controlling the silence really really has to be strategic So the silence should not be a silence where you're actually thinking, but it should be intentional and it should be deliberate. So if I'm speaking with you and I'm talking and I'm thinking about the next thing I want to say, I should pause and think about what I want to say at the right times, because what it will come out sounding like would be me trying to put my thoughts together, you realize it will, it, I would be pausing all through my sentence. But what you want to do is think ahead and deliver what you want to say, what you thought of, make your pause at the right time. And it actually makes you look a little more intelligent when you pause at a certain time and then you continue deliberating. So I think the nervousness and the fear comes in when we are afraid of the silence. Be okay, embrace the silence and gather your thoughts. It's okay. And then as time goes on and we continue to practice, literally I have this method, Jackie, called the GAS method, which is gather, arrange, speak. And I tell people that should help us remember. We gather our thoughts first and then we choose in our minds which one we want to speak first and then we speak. So it's a GAS method. It actually gives us fuel to deliver effectively. So yeah, I think uh, we do get more in charge and in control if we deliberately choose where we want to pause and how we want to yeah. pause. Yeah. I think, I think pauses can be very powerful too. Um, and I think it's, it's a, a pause gives the audience a chance to really catch up with what it is that you're saying. And for, for whatever point it is that you're making, if you're, if you're making a presentation, it, yes. gives, it gives it time for, for that point that you're making to land with the audience and for them to take in. So we should never be frightened of, the, of those pauses. And, yes. and quite often I will say to, um, to, the, to the guys that I'm working with is when you are practicing at home, go really slowly, practice and practice slower than, than, than feels unnatural. Because when you get in front of an audience, you automatically speed up. And so you end up rushing through it. And then, you know, your brain doesn't have a chance to catch up with your mouth, let alone the audience then catching up with you. So when you're practicing at home, if you take your time, 
be really slow and measured. That's so that right. it feels unnatural. When you get on the stage, you'll be surprised it will come That's out. That's right. I tell people, Jackie, that, you know, try every day, like have a family member or somebody uh, put on, you know, a timer or tell, put on a timer for 30 minutes and tell them spot you, see if, see if it is you have any filler words or when you're just having a normal conversation, because that's the best place to practice when you're most comfortable with friends and family, just have someone spot you, let them listen to you and say, okay, yeah, you, you were fumbling or you weren't as smooth as you needed to be so what so when when you're having an, a normal ordinary conversation that you haven't planned that's <laughs> right that's right not planned, yes. oh dear yeah. that could that, that could cause some family arguments couldn't it Somebody yes. oh you said you know oh you ummed there yeah i've got i've got friends and family that do that without me oh. even asking <laughs> uh, we've got another question here look, from uh, from our LinkedIn user. How can we improve our voices if we don't have ones like yours and Daya and Jackie? <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, so how can we improve? That's a loaded the, question. Yeah. <laughs> Whether that's the tone or the pitch or to do with the resonance. Correct. Correct. I mean, and you know, Jackie, so people come in and like they approach me. I'm sure you have this experience. I don't like how I sound. They get that all the time. I want to change my voice. For me, I tell people, you don't need to change your voice. Your voice is your unique voice. So, uh, yes, okay, we may have certain timbers in our voice and our tone, but the thing is really how to use it. And I think a lot, if, if with my voice, if I was talking like this and I didn't really know how to express myself, I don't think you'll say, hey, nice voice, Daya. So I think... The big thing is how you deliver and how you express yourself. And so don't be confused with your tone and thinking, well, I don't have a nice voice. I think really it's about the execution and how we pronounce our words, how we form our words. So that is a big thing. Yeah, I think as well, it's um, it's it's just not being afraid of showing your personality in your That's voice. Right. Right. And so you can really... People get to to know you through your voice, as you say. It's it's like a fingerprint, isn't it? It's it's, but it gives away all of our secrets. You know, you can't hide anything in your voice. Right. But what I've what I've found over the years of just doing this work, you know, standing in front of classes day after day, teaching pyramid breathing and diaphragmatic breathing, and talking out loud, is that over the years I know that my voice has dropped i know that it has a deeper sort of resonance and that really is just through use and right. and standing in front of an audience constantly be it a class be it you know whoever it might be and going through the exercises and this is why mm. i say to people every time they come into a session with me we need to do a warm-up we will warm yes. up our voices we will practice that breathing because the more you do it the the more the richness you can you can you know you, you that kind of tonality and tim timbre that you get in your voice comes with that use because all of those all of, all the everything that we use for breathing to support our voices is a muscle so yes. from the abdominals right. to yeah. the intercostal muscles the diaphragm mm -hmm. even your vocal cords so they just mm -hmm. need constant working out and the more you do mm -hmm. that the richer your voice becomes mm -hmm. that's right 
Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping you agree with that, Dio. <laughs> yes, no, no. I was going to say even down to posture because, yeah. like we know, you know, everything starts with the lungs. And so if we are hunched over or bent and we don't have a good posture, then the airflow coming, starting from the lungs. And as you said, it goes through your windpipe, it goes through your voice box and then comes through our articulators. It's a whole function. So it's like when people are stressed and they feel it in their body, they don't sound right. They sound tired because your body is stressed. So you're very right that it's, it's everything working together in unison that makes a good delivery, which is why, Jackie, I tell people, you know, if you if you think there's a challenge with your voice, it doesn't start with your voice. It starts with how you see yourself and your perception of yourself. And your like you talked about mindset. I do touch on that when people kind of speak down lowly. And it's not about voice, but it's about how they see themselves. And there's a great breakthrough when people look at, they've been told from childhood, be quiet, you're talking too much, or everyone in their family is very loud and they never got a chance to speak. And so there are all kinds of different circumstances that would cause people to cower and to speak softly and into themselves. And when they recognize now as adults, they're still are doing that, but all they have to do is uncap that potential and recognize, hey, I can speak up and, and release my mind or free my mind from that perception I have of myself that I, I need to speak softly. There's amazing breakthrough when you get people to exercise their diaphragm and breathe and bellow out the loudest note or song that they've ever heard before, you know, and they think when they speak hello like that, they think they're shouting. But it's just, it's no. just, yeah. yes, yes. No. We can dig, we can dig deeper than that. And I, oh, and I, yeah. I love that too. I, I've worked yeah. with people that have said, no, I can't possibly use that voice. I, I was never allowed to use that voice. You know, I said, no, you know, let it go. Just let it go. Um, because as you say, we come, you know, we, we grow up with perceptions of, of how we should behave, how we are allowed to behave. And we bring that into adulthood and it doesn't, it doesn't serve us a, a, a lot of the time as adults, the, the way that, right. we were, that, that we were taught to speak as, as children. And yeah, we just, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of what I do, I think is, uh, is just giving people permission. It's yes. to say to them, yeah. you know, it's actually, it's, it's okay. okay. Mm -hmm. It's all right. You can be heard. You can speak up. That's so right. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, if there's any other questions, do. If you're listening uh, on the replay, then please send us, uh, send us your questions or make comments and uh, we will come back to you because it's great to have this interaction. Um, Daya, I'd love to ask you, mm -hmm. who, who do you, what do you think makes a good speaker? What makes a good speaker good and a bad speaker suck? <laughs> a good speaker... I think is one who is most comfortable with themselves. I will start there. It, it doesn't matter the accent you have, where you're from. You see, if you're comfortable with yourself and you are very intentional in delivering your message clearly. I'll say that again. Being very intentional in delivering your message clearly. Uh, so that that to me is is very key that just being yourself you see a lot of and and again my thing with public speaking training is there are certain tools and rules that you have when speaking on a stage 
but but for me it's broader than just on a stage it's having that one-on-one conversation in your office with the staff member that you want to reprimand and you call them in and there's some people who don't know i've had people they, they don't know how to lower their voice they're just loud and people down the corridor would hear them talking just having a conversation because they're bigger than life and so they don't know how to lower their tone and just talk but so i think you see that very intentional speaking being aware of volume and tone as well as being comfortable so if you have notes and the notes fall down on the stage you don't freeze and all of a sudden you don't know what to do it's like oh i think my notes fell so i just have to pull this one from memory and you know you just go with the flow so I believe that would make a good speaker. And I mean, well, the 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 opposite is a, a terrible speaker suck would be just being afraid of failure. That fear of failure is a thing that would make, uh, you know, a terrible speaker suck. Because I've seen so many people, they may not be perfect, Jackie. They are not very perfect and smooth on stage, but they embrace the moment. The smallest of people command a room I like to call it own the room. People effortlessly walk through a room. You suddenly, if they have a lisp or a stutter, that disappears because they are so comfortable in their own skin and walking around. They will walk down the audience, look at people in their eye, um, just be yourself and embrace the moment and that will make you an excellent speaker. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely agree with that. We've got we've got a question here um, again that, that I think links into that, which is: <laughs> is it okay to show vulnerability on stage, or will the audience react badly to that? Absolutely and I think not. That, no, and I think that yeah. comes, I think that comes back to what you were just saying. There yeah. is that if you can kind of you feel comfortable in your own skin, you uh, take ownership of your story and who you are and how you got there. Then yeah. actually, everything else—the physicality of voice, as yes. you say, the lisps, all of those kind of fall away because right. you know you can, you can kind of do that um what do you think about showing vulnerability on on stage no i i totally agree with you that it is it is definitely important i mean it depends how <laughs> vulnerability could mean so many things so if you are talking and you are uncontrollable in crying and sharing and you can't get out a word like you shared earlier you certainly have to have that balance to even though it's an emotional moment people still need to hear you so you know you don't want to be sharing sometimes people are sharing and they're giving a life story and they get emotional but certainly your vulnerability could be shown but don't let it get out of control you know so you can show it but control it yeah. I always say that, um, you know, it's not about putting all of your stuff out there and really going for the sympathy vote. It's not about sort of yeah. saying, oh, look at me, poor me. Haven't I been through an awful exactly. ordeal? And it's it's really about using your own experiences to illustrate a point yes. and, and remembering that actually whenever you're stood in front of an audience, whatever message you are delivering, it's about them. It's not about you. So if you are delivering a message, it needs to be relatable for the audience. And in, you know, those are the stories that you need to find in your own experience. Those that's, that's the vulnerability that your audience will appreciate because they can relate to it. 
Absolutely. And you know, as you said, Jackie, about your audience and being relatable. Another thing, of course, is doing a little bit of research before, depending on who you're going to present to. That's important. Don't ever go in cold and unprepared. Um, the worst thing to do is to go in unprepared. Like if you have a, a presentation and a location to make, you have no clue what the stage is like, especially if this is not something you are accustomed to. Definitely try and do a site visit, get a feel for where you're speaking, get an understanding on estimation of the size of your crowd, your room, so that you can envision it when you move away and you're preparing. That to me works so effectively. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my the, my guest a few weeks ago, Tom Morris, who's a, a philosopher, but an amazing keynote speaker. And he he said just that he goes into a space the day before if he can, and he will walk around and he says to himself, this is going to be my home for an hour. That's you right. Know, and he kind of that's envisages the, right. the fact that he's inviting the audience into his home. That's and and right. that's, that's how he treats them, which I think is amazing. That's right. I actually, a couple of times when I had an event to do, I would actually think about, I'll walk down this when I'm seeing this point. I'll go to this side of the stage and look at the audience when I'm seeing that. I'm going to get them to repeat these lines. So some things are planned and then some things just become spontaneous. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I think we'll we'll wrap up with this one last question, uh, which says, you also talk about humility, Jackie, which I do. How does that work on stage? Um well, humility, I think, again, is is really about that sort of uh, vulner vulnerability. But I think what it what it comes down to is I, I've worked with with uh, clients that have said, "Oh, I don't like standing on stage because um, people will think I'm being arrogant, or if I'm showing my knowledge and sharing my knowledge, that people will look at me as, as if I'm being cocky or I'm being, you know, arrogant." And and for me, that's that's not arrogance. It's confidence. And the, the reason it's confidence is because it's delivered with humility. So it's delivered with the audience in mind, not with an ego. So you're not standing up there saying, look at me. This is me. Aren't I fantastic? Yes, you, again, are thinking about the audience. You're looking at the audience. Who are they? What is the benefit of them listening to you? Why should they care? And I think if you deliver with humility, then you know that that message will always land with your audience. What do you think, Daya? Oh, absolutely agree. With, I agree with you as well, Jackie. That again, it's just about being able to to be transparent. And I think if you're transparent, it comes with a sense of humility because pride is putting on something that you're not, or putting forward something that you're not. So absolutely, you know, being in a place of humility will allow you to deliver well. Brilliant. Oh, that's great. I can't believe we've done half an hour already. That's wow. a <laughs> <laughs> that, that time up. That was so interesting. Really thank cool. you so yeah. much. Thank you so much. Uh, thank problem. you, everybody listening. Um, your questions have been amazing. As I say, if you're listening on replay, then please leave your comments and uh, do come forward with any questions uh, later on because we'd love to get back to you with, with, with some answers for you. Um, if you liked this, then make sure you let us know. Uh, and if there's anything that you'd like to hear about in the future or any other advice we can deliver on this platform, then again, please let me know. But otherwise, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and I will see you again next week. And thank you very much, Deo. Thank you. Not a problem, Jackie. And I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. Bye for now.